0: this uh, past week I felt led to read through the entire second epistle to the Corinthians as a matter of fact I did that this morning I wanted to read the entire second epistle to the Corinthians because it is not a disjointed set of messages or texts they're all one big letter and it's somewhat not beneficial when we divide the word of God into chapters. I can see the the benefits of it. It's easier to place keep, to find certain verses. There's a lot of, but when we read it, we don't have to have these so-called invisible barriers to, to stop us from going into the next chapter and the next chapter. And you get a completely different well, not completely, you get a, a different flavor of the real the real message behind what the Apostle Paul was sending to the church at Corinth. So with that, let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. <clears throat> Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. For we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not perplexed. not distressed we are perplexed but not in despair persecuted but not forsaken cast down but not destroyed always bearing about in the body the dying of our Lord Jesus that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body for we which are (coughs) for we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus sake that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh So then, death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, "I believed, and therefore I have I spoken." We also believe, and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise (coughs) up us also by Jesus, and shall be present, and shall present us with you, for all things are for your sakes. That the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God for which cause we faint not but though our outward man perish yet the inward man is renewed day by day for our light affliction is but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory which we look not at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporal but the things which are not seen are eternal i've read to the end of the chapter may the lord bless the reading of his word i feel like the apostle paul at times where my eyesight is Is waning at my age of 64 I could blame the glasses or I could blame my age or I could blame the the small print but we can control a couple of those things so and many times we go through life thinking that the problem is not with me it's always somebody else's problem instead of being honest and humble we tend to make excuses and therefore our problems don't get fixed. I was uh, greatly inspired when brother Eric had the uh, chapter 2 of this epistle and and made an excellent expository teaching on chapter 2. And the more I look at every single chapter and every single word Every single word means something. We often tend to gloss through the scriptures and say, yeah, I've seen that before, I've seen that, I I think I know that, but I'm not going to spend time looking at that because it's going to stop me from getting to the more interesting parts, or the good parts. But as I read through this, I could see that it was almost one message that the Apostle Paul Or one issue that the Apostle Paul was really trying to address he addressed some other ones but he was focused on the sanctification of the Corinthian Church and in doing so he was trying to reveal to them that they have been infiltrated by false teachers And in no uncertain terms in chapter 11 that comes through very clearly that they have been to some extent corrupted by these false teachers and why is that important it's important because their salvation is hinging on what they believe and and that causes us to do what we do and to practice what we practice the apostle paul <clears throat> and it almost seemed that there's 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 some kind of similar thoughts going on in the first chapter or the first letter if you will that we have at least in in corinthians where the apostle paul had to defend his ministry there are many antagonists many detractors of the Apostle Paul and the, the Apostle had to expose them for who they were. Because we do what we believe. We act what we accept is true. We act on that. Normally that's the, the logical thing to do, isn't it? If we know it's true, we should do it. so he opens up the first verse of this chapter therefore as soon as you see a therefore you've got to see what it was there for you've got to go back to the previous passage therefore seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy we faint not what was going on in the previous chapter the Apostle Paul had to remind them he starts off the previous chapter Do we begin again to commend ourselves as we, as some others, or need need we, as some others, epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? Because Paul was not a residential elder there or the bishop there, but he was their father, he says that. That he has begotten them in the gospel. He was like to some a stranger. And he needed to qualify himself. He needed to prove himself. Because there were these other super apostles that were coming in. That were sort of going on their. Or motivational speeches throughout the, the region. And getting paid for it. From what the first uh, chapter of this letter indicates and so Paul says do I need to bring some qualifications do I need to bring a reference when I came to Corinth I spent at least 18 months there with you going from house to house the Jews there rose up against me and and brought me before <clears throat> Gallio the deputy there, and wanted to put me on trial because they were saying I was preaching to them things that were against the law. He was with them for 18 months, at least. And now he says, do I need to prove myself? And basically... From here on in he's showing to them all the things that he had to go through until Christ be formed in them and that is until Christ comes to maturity in them he said I'll tell you what my qualifications are I'll tell you what letters of recommendation I have You are our letters of recommendation. You are living proof that you were born through the gospel, that we preached unto you, that we spent time among you. You are our qualifications. We can certify that God worked mightily through us, though we be jars of clay, though we be vessels, earthen vessels, as he says later on, yet God used us. If you look at the uh, Acts of the Apostles, the Apostle Paul had four missionary journeys. You say three, well, the last one to the Rome was was another missionary journey as well. And on the first missionary journey, he did a circle from Antioch through Cyprus to Perga, up into uh, Iconium and down to Lystra and Derbe. There he got stoned, then he got uh, badly treated, left for dead, came back to Antioch, then he went to Jerusalem for the Council of Jerusalem in Acts 15, and then he went for a second missionary journey. On that second missionary journey, he met the Philippian jailer. He, if you will, initiated the church of the Holy Spirit in Philippi, and then he went down to, through Macedonia and into uh, Achaia and into, into Greece into Corinth we had a Bible studies on this some time ago and that's when he first met Priscilla and Aquila and that's when he went into their synagogues and that's when he started teaching them but they they didn't want him so he bet with others in the area and he met Crispus the chief of the synagogue the ruler of the synagogue, Crispus. And he attests to that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, where he says, I'm glad. You talk about, you just want all these to be uh, followers of all these big apostles, right? I'm of Peter, I'm of Cephas, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Jesus. He says, who am I? Who is Paul? Who is Apollos? We're just vessels of clay. I'm paraphrasing because he's saying the same thing here. We just came to preach the gospel. I, I preached, apostle-warded, but guess what? God gave the increase. It's not us. We shouldn't be following men. Not even Apostle Peter, not, a, not, not in the sense that we, we idolise them and they become the heroes and they are heroes of faith, but they should be treated that they are also men in whom the power of God acts the acts of the Apostles were not the acts of the Apostles themselves they were the acts of the Holy Spirit that motivated and animated these disciples and Apostles they gave them the courage the boldness to speak the gospel and not only Apostle Peter Paul and Cephas but then all these super apostles these rhetors that went around with with very persuasive uh, words and so they followed you know the smooth the suave The good-looking maybe the charismatic but Paul he wasn't a very according to the scriptures a very good-looking man he admits I don't come to you with persuasive speech I wasn't schooled in the in the seminary of rhetoric but I tell you I come with the power of the Holy Spirit and my dear friend when you hear a message of God listen to the words don't look at the man Paul says I henceforth know no man after the flesh It is the power of God unto salvation what is it the gospel this is that ministry that he's talking about in in uh, second uh, this uh, Corinthians chapter 3 he says for if the ministration or if the ministry of condemnation be glorious because he's comparing the ministry of, of of the law in the Old Testament that Moses was the mediator between Israel and God through the law now the Apostle Paul is saying now the apostles are the mediators between God and and humankind through the gospel we are the messengers we are the ministers of this message of peace of this message of the gospel that caused men to repentance and he says the old law the rules just killed people They became mundane in their practices. They did everything by rote without any sensitivity to the spirit of the law. And when Jesus came, he says, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. And he fulfilled it in his own body. And then he told them, you have heard these things of old time, but I say unto you. And the Pharisees objected severely against the message of Christ because he they was Christ was saying except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees you will in no way see the kingdom of God and he says the ministry is this ministry of the spirit which does which is If the ministration or the ministry of condemnation be glorious, much more doth the ministry of the righteousness exceed in glory. If you think that the law was glorious because the, 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 the face of Moses lit up like a light bulb, he had to put a veil over his face coming down from the mountain so that the people could look at him in the face. And they said, Hide yourself, we can't stand this glory, this, this light on your face. This is the glory of God. How much more is this ministration that is full of grace and truth now exceed what the law could bring? For even that which was made glorious, it was glorious. The law was glorious. The law is good and holy and just, Paul says in the book of Romans. However, They had no glory in this respect, by the reason of the glory that excelleth. You say that's a light, bright bright light. This is even brighter. The glory of God through the gospel exceeded the glory of the Old Testament. And so, what He was saying to them was, "I'm giving you this ministry." God chose me to do that. He said, I was from my mother's womb. Chosen by God to preach the gospel. Whether you like it or not. He says, you have people amongst you that are coming around and teaching you something different. Another type of a gospel, as he said to the Galatian church as well. He said to the Galatians, if anyone else preaches you another gospel that you have not heard of us, let the same be accursed. Even if an angel come from heaven, let them be accursed, he said. How did he know that the Mormons were going to do the same thing? Believe that someone came from heaven with a whole lot of gold plaques. And they completely corrupted the gospel of Christ. Completely corrupted. Blasphemous. In chapter two of Second Corinthians, he says, For we are unto God a sweet savour of Christ. We are preaching the truth. We are a sweet savour of Christ in them that are saved. Those that accept the gospel as was given to them by Christ, they're a sweet-smelling savour that rises up to the throne of God. And those that are saved experience that aromatic fragrance of the gospel of the Rose of Sharon. And in them, that perish. To the one, to those that are saved, we are to those that are not saved, we are a savour of death unto death, death. And to the others, a savour of life unto life. We are a, we are a bad odour. The Christian gospel message is obnoxious to the unbeliever, to the atheist, to those that reject the message of Christ. That's why they're killing Christians, even to this very day, all over the world. He says, and who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God. That word corrupt, the root word there from the Greek is who peddle the word of God. They peddle it, they sell it. How many do we have? When I see some of these preachers on television, Kenneth Copeland, Benny Hinn, and all these others that are there because there's a lot of money in that. I would hate to be in their shoes on the day of judgment I would hate to be in their shoes. God says, "Mark them and avoid them." Romans 16 Mark them and avoid them. But if we are not such, he says in chapter nine of First Corinthians, though he he should be recompensed for his ministry because. He just worked for himself. He was a tent maker. <coughs> he said, I didn't take any money from any of you. Just in case somebody said, ah, Paul's doing this for the money. He was free from the blood of all men. He preached the gospel freely. Freely he received it. Freely he gave. And yet there are those <coughs> that do it for filthy Lucas' sake According to the apostle that says, they have gone the way of Balaam, who for reward went to try to to curse Israel. We are not those, he says, but of a sincerity we are. We are of sincerity, without wax, without hypocrisy, without covering up even our Frailties and weaknesses, and you can go into this second book of uh, second <clears throat> letter of the Corinthians. You'll see how much Paul humbles himself, as to the point that he says, "Some people are saying you're mad, Paul. You're beside yourself." I don't care, he said. I want to show you. I'm not doing it for the money. I'm not doing it for self exaltation to be lauded by others and praised. He said, "I'm doing it." For the gospel's sake, I'm apprehending others because Jesus apprehended me. So this leads us into, this is the ministry that Paul is talking about. He said in verse 1 of chapter 4, Seeing then we have this ministry as we have received mercy. You know, being a minister of Christ is an act of mercy on God's part. it's not because I deserve it it's not because I'm a good speaker it's not because it's something that I have within myself that I want people to acknowledge and recognize he said this is something that God has given to us excuse me I'm not sure if it's the atmosphere that's something that God has given to us by his mercy and secondly, when we see that, we shouldn't say that this is, a, this is an onerous task for me. This is too much for me. I can't do it. If God didn't think you could do it, I don't think he would give it to you. He would give you something else. He would give you another gift. But the gift that he's given to you, the talent that you have, He's given it to you because of his mercy. Can you imagine a whole lot of Christians that get saved by the gospel, so to speak, and all they do all their life is just wait for the coming of the Lord. Let's wait. God, please, hurry up. It's too hard for us here. There's too much out there. Just come. No. God has given us a ministry the word minister in Latin is servant I remember a brother saying you shouldn't be called ministers because they're thinking of prime ministers and premiers and no minister means servant do we want to serve or don't we want to serve do we want to be saved to go straight to heaven Or do we already saved to bring forth works and bring forth fruit and lay them at the Saviour's feet on that day? You're going to have a boring life. We will be having, I'm going to to include this in my, when I preach I'd like to not just say you. It, It seems like I'm being condescending. We, we will have a boring life. We will have an unfulfilled life, and when we have an unfulfilled life, then we look for other venues for other things to do. So our life is not boring. Do you think that this life, the Apostle Paul, was boring? When he went from town to town, when he met peoples, when he met kings, when he met uh, rulers of the synagogues, when he met the Romans, when he was in jail, when he's on a sh- ship and he said three times I was shipwrecked do you think that was boring he was on his toes he was on his toes he was always on his toes but he recognised a common enemy and he realised that his enemy was not flesh and blood his enemy was spiritual it was as he says in chapter 10 that It required the pulling down of strongholds that Satan had on this world. He was the the God of this world. He is the God of this world, Paul says. And his his life was anything but boring. It's a privilege that we have to serve God. This is not just talking about ministers. I challenge each and every one of us to to do something for the cause of Christ and see things start to happen. If you don't get involved with people, if you don't start preaching the gospel to others, if you don't get involved in in ministry somewhere, how will you even know what the what the needs are? And secondly. How will you ever become attached in such a way as the Apostle Paul did to have compassion on someone if you don't know who they are? We faint not. He's saying even though we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. Even though we see all the obstacles, even though we all see all the the perils and the dangers, don't lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. We are not dishonest. We're telling you the plain truth. We are not walking in craftiness or trickery as some of these health and wealth preachers do, and they stage everything. I talked to someone, we got had email correspondence with a, a particular person that had left our church and gone to seek adventure, seek a, a, a more exciting Christianity, ended up in a, in a church that was a, what they call the faith movement, and he, guess what? He became a back catcher. He came, be, he came behind people, he was catching them as they were being slain in the spirit, because that was exciting. And then, a, then the preacher said, hey, what do you do for a living, boy? I paint. Well, you come come and paint my house for me. He gets to his place. He's got about six limousines, or whatever they were there, and a huge house. He painted the house, and then he didn't pay him for a month. He wouldn't pay him. That's when he realized he got sucked in And that's when he started writing these emails. I wanna warn you of these charlatans, of these con men. I wanna warn you, don't do what I did. I can commend him for that. There's all kinds of smoke and mirrors and trickery, false miracles. When we got the gospel, the truth the simple sincere gospel he said and we haven't handled the Word of God deceitfully he's got in the back of his mind as he's saying this these people that have been infecting the church but by manifestation of the truth we are commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God I'll tell you what we, we, we're recommending ourselves we're recommending ourselves to your conscience Tell me. Tell me, brother. Have I done anything wrong? Have I spoken the wrong thing? Have I been preaching you another gospel like these others are? Deal with it. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Now, my dear friends outside of Jesus Christ I can say you because I'm in Christ that's why I wanted to see this whole second epistle and I want to read the whole first epistle and second epistle again to get the full flavor and the track the flow but think of what's happened here historically speaking Paul says these things were not done in a corner. The crucifixion of Christ was done that the world around Jerusalem could see. And it was told in lands yonder after the Lord Jesus resurrected and ascended to heaven. Now he's saying of himself. He's given him a biography, an autobiography. And then Luke gives a biography of him. The journeys that the Apostle Paul took. All the different places he went. All the experiences Luke accompanied Paul on several segments and Luke recorded what he saw what he heard what what he witnessed would a man like the Apostle Paul who was a Pharisee who was raised at the feet of Gamaliel who had all these credentials he was sober minded he was intelligent may not have been good looking according to others may not have been the best Uh, articulator but boy did he have did he have the power did he know the will of God and he subjects himself to humiliation to torture to um, events of God's creation like storms to accidents like the shipwrecks to human stoning of him left him for dead in Lystra do you think that this man is making this up to get a following I could understand if somebody made up a story and then sold you know three million copies and he made money on that not the Apostle Paul he had nothing to his name He was hungry, he was cold. He was taken to Rome. Can you imagine him after all of his perils that he went through that he describes in 2 Corinthians 6 and and 2 Corinthians 11? He comes on his fourth missionary journey and he he enters his huge city of Rome. Huge statues, huge buildings architecture that was ahead of its time perhaps and he walks through the streets as he did in Athens and now he's going to meet Caesar, Nero Claudius was mentioned in the book of Acts chapter 18 how he had driven out all the Jews because apparently the Jews were problems there just like Hitler saw them perhaps causing all kinds of Problems for them. And Claudius married Nero's mother. And we know what Nero was all about. Nero is the one that Paul was writing about in 2 Timothy 4. That his departure is at hand. That he's ready to be offered up. That he's fought a good fight he's finished the race does this man look like he's looking for attention popularity does this man look like he's making things up he had experienced Jesus on the way to Damascus he had seen very he had talked to Christ Christ talked to him several times he said I received this by direct revelation go to chapter 12 of this very epistle Is this man making things up? Is he willing to give up his life for a story that's going to cut his life short? He said, I haven't preached any of these things that I'm being accused of. If the gospel be here, it is here to them that are lost. If you want to reject the gospel, you've got to reject all these facts. Not just from the Apostle Paul, from the other 12 apostles and the 400 witnesses, whatever it was, that saw Jesus alive again. 500, if I'm not mistaken. They saw him alive again. 1 Corinthians 15. You want evidence? You won't accept the evidence of men that were attested to be historical figures and that had, through their own preaching and teaching, demonstrated that what they saw, they cannot reject or resist. It was not done in a corner. And he says, in whom the God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. what a beautiful verse and it gets even better they are rejecting this glorious light of the gospel the gospel is not come to Jesus and he'll give you everything you need accept Jesus no the gospel is that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins He was delivered unto Pontius Pilate. That was part of the creed of the early church. He was crucified. And on the third day, he was resurrected. And the reason he died for our sins, according to Peter's... You know, last week was, well, two weeks ago, was Pentecostal Sunday. I didn't realize it. But I preached on Acts chapter 2. Somebody informed me afterwards. On that sermon that Peter preached on Pentecostal Sunday, he preached and said, you by wicked hands, have delivered this Messiah. And when they were pricked in their hearts, they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of sins. That's the gospel. Repentance for our wickedness, for our sinfulness, and and a pledge of allegiance to follow Jesus Christ no matter what. This is the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God that we should, that shone upon us. For we preach not ourselves. We are not like the rhetors that are preaching about themselves, that are being showy and charismatic and very suave articulation. We're not like that, but Jesus Christ the Lord. We preach Jesus Christ our Lord and ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, Genesis 1, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Not in the face of Moses anymore. As bright as it was, he say, in the face of Jesus Christ, God has given us this glorious gospel. But we have this treasure. What is this treasure? You can think of what it could be. I think it's this the ministry of the gospel, which leads to eternal life. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, in vessels of clay. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We're not claiming that we are the ones, that we are so good and we're so smart and so wise. Go to First Corinthians chapter chapter one. Where thou saying, Oh, I'm up, up to Paul and Peter. I'm a Cephas, right should I say he said who is Paul who is Apollos he says God by the foolishness of preaching has chosen to save them that believe no name mentioned he said God by the foolishness of preaching has chosen to save them that believe it's the message and not the messenger To the Greeks, to these pagans, he says he's foolishness. What are you preaching about a man that was a Jew that got hung on a cross like a criminal and that got this following? You want to believe us to believe in those fables? That's foolishness. That seems pretty Poor and weak, you could have chosen a better hero or God to to represent you. Like they had all these gods. I never saw one of them. Who had the fables? Just as Christ, you can go to chapter, I believe it's nine, eight and nine, when Paul was saying now to I want to show you. I'm not asking for your donations because of I need them. I'm asking them because I want you to show that you have Christ in you. For Christ, who was rich, became poor for your sakes. And He wasn't asking these donations for Himself. He was asking them for the poor believers in Jerusalem. It was all selfless. But He wanted to see fruit from them. Or he wanted to see a ministry from them. Don't just sit and sit back and wait for the coming of the Lord. If you do it that way, you may be very fearful at his coming. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, in jars of clay, that the excellence in the power may be of God and not of us. And then he goes through all of his troubles and difficulties that he went through, that there is benefit, there is a benefit for this suffering. Go back to chapter one, I believe it is, and he talks about why he suffered. It was for their sake. And then chapter two, he says a little bit more about that. He suffered for their sake, that God would work in them salvation. In verse ten of chapter four, after the all these. Uh, distresses that he went through, the despairs and so forth, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. That's why he suffered too. As Jesus suffered for the truth's sake, Paul was suffering for the truth's sake. He wasn't capitulating. He wasn't hiding in a cave. He was suffering. And it amazed me after many years, I think it was on his third missionary journey, Paul goes back to the same places. No, it was on the second one. He went back to the places that he was once. No, it was, yeah, it was the second missionary journey. The first one, or the first missionary journey. He went back to the same places Lystra, Derby, Iconium, where he was stoned, where he was rejected. I would think he would have gone another way. I looked at the, the map and, and followed through the scriptures. He went back to those places. Didn't say he stayed there long, but he didn't go back to Antioch through Asia. He went back to where he came from, across the Mediterranean. You see, those that fear their Lord, according to the Old Testament says, are like lions. They're bold. Nothing will Deter them when they know they have someone stronger and more powerful on their side. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death. For Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh, So then, death worketh in us, but life in you. He's always being, he feared for his life in chapter 1 of this letter. He feared for his life. And it seemed like he was going to die. And to him it was like death. We are facing death all the time. I protest by your rejoicing in Christ Jesus. I die daily, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. Are we afraid? Better not go out there. It could be dangerous. What would you do if you were a firefighter? What would you do if you were a paramedic? I'm not going out there. It could be dangerous. Let them burn. Or would you go out there and save them? Or is that what you were called to do? when we make the decision to follow Jesus Christ we don't make the decision conditionally only if I get treated well only if it's interesting Jesus says you better count the cost you want to partake of my glory you better count the cost If any man puts his hand to the plough and turns back, he won't find pleasure in Christ. He's not worthy of the kingdom of God. So then, death worketh in us, but life in you. The benefit is yours, but look what we're doing for you. That doesn't mean everybody has to follow Paul and get stoned and get shipwrecked and get persecuted as he was. Maybe they will. But in their own circles, in their own corner, God expects us to be part of that ministry of building the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it he will storm the gates of hell in other words he will not run from the gates of hell but he will do it and guess who's using his church we are his church we are his members Why? Because I know that even if I die, that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. And the rest is the beginning, what we normally use our, for funeral services, but it's, we use it for funeral services, but it's got more to do with How much do we value our physical life? Because one day we're gonna put it off. Like Jesus says, if you love your life, you will lose it. If you don't take up your cross, be willing to be crucified with Christ, you're not worthy of his kingdom. I'm not worthy of his kingdom. I pray that each and every one of us, both unconverted and converted alike, will see of the tremendous value, of the tremendous benefits, of the tremendous life that we can have in Christ Jesus. Or we can just spend it on ourselves. And believe me, you'll get bored of this life too. You'll get bored. If it's not in Christ, It's not fulfilling. It's not worthy of anything. To him be the glory evermore. Brother Ishtar, feel free. Many times we sing a greeting hymn. Lord again, the sun is risen and the night has gone away. And then the evening is. Now the day is over perhaps. It's another gospel hymn we we heard about our son. Is that our life? It's a new day. What can we do today? Oh, it's time to go to bed. Day's over, I'm tired. What have we done to make that day count? What have we done to redeem the time? because the days are evil. What have we done that makes a difference in our lives, and especially in the lives of others who are not saved? Oh, that we would all have the heart of the Apostle Paul. Better still. Oh, that we would all have the heart of Christ, not just to be professors but possessors of the Holy Spirit. And let the acts of the Holy Spirit work in us while it is yet day. Jesus said, are there not 12 hours in a day? Work for the night is coming where man will no more work. And all the things that you would have liked to do and did not do That I would have liked to do and did not do, we would be very regretful of. Let's cling to the cross, let's cling to the Word of God, and let's work while it is yet day. To Him be the glory evermore. Amen. This concludes our service.